Hello and welcome to the Bucks Banter Podcast. It is Monday, so you know what that means. This is our live weekly show on Bucks Report. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. There's many different avenues for which you could be watching us right now. Or maybe you're listening to the podcast version on Spotify or Apple Podcasts at a later date. Regardless how, when, or where you're listening, I just want to say thank you. We appreciate your input and your support. If you want to take it a step further and really give us a give us a jolt, and if you haven't already done so, then please subscribe to the Bucks Banter YouTube channel. Naturally, we post all of our video content there, and if you're on Twitter, which you should be if you have the internet and claim to be a sports fan, <laughs> then please follow Bucks Banter at Bucks Banter. Uh, we share all the links to our written work, digital content, and just general opinions and banter as it relates to all things NFL but with a strong Tampa Bay Buccaneers bias, of course. <laughs> I am your host of the Bucks Banter Podcast, and my name is Colin Hallboom. You can call me Boom, though, if you prefer. I know Scott often does. Um, and I am joined by only one of my other co-hosts this evening. Uh, as fan favorite, Bodan Yard is currently taking, the, taking in the scenery of beautiful British Columbia with his relatively new bride, um, which, of course, means I am left here alone with the other guy, um, I'm just kidding though. The other guy in this case is a very accomplished sports media contributor. He's not a Bucks fan, but he cheers for the same collegiate program as Tom Brady does. Uh, he's not a professional golfer, but he is very good at picking which professional golfers can make you money. Oh, wow. Uh, as a matter of fact, the same concept really does apply to most sports with this individual. If you like money and you like sports, this is your kind of guy. Our resident sports betting expert here at Bucks Banter but a man with many opinions that extend beyond the realm of financial sporting investments, my co-host, my good friend, Scott Capron. Oh, Colin, or Boom, as we like to call you. Thank you very much for the intro, and thanks for having me, man. Wow, lot to unpack there. I'd like to say that a lot of that is true um, to everyone who's listening and watching because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little flushed, very flattered. What can I say? Um, but yeah, man, hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, people are already catching on. They're going to start calling you the other guy, as Jory Katz watching well, on YouTube says. When you said, uh, you know, I'm just left alone here with the other guys, like that takes me back. You know what I mean? Like that's not the first time someone has said that to me. So, I mean, blast and past. It's okay. Not necessarily a bad thing. Just rolling with it. We're good. We're good. Beautiful. I love it. Um, so we've got a jam-packed episode with good content for everyone watching or listening this evening. Um, we're going to take a quick look around some some breaking NFL news. There's uh, been a few items that need to be discussed right off the top. Uh, we're going to talk what's up with the Bucks, as always. We like to kick off our shows doing that. And uh, really pleased that Evan Winter of Bucks Report is going to join us to give us some insider information as it relates to Buccaneers training camp. Day two took place today at the Advent training facility, um, and he was down there today. 
Uh, we're then going to continue with our division preview series that we've been running. A couple times we've done it on uh, the Bucks Report show, a couple times on our own um, at Bucks Banter. But we're going we're gonna to head into the NFC today and uh, preview the NFC North. And I think it's actually a good day to do that just with getting some uh, clarity regarding the Aaron Rodgers situation. Finally. Finally. And I got to, you know, I got to take it on the chin. I said there was like no chance he was going to play for Green Bay this year. That was just how I felt. He seemed to be pretty steadfast in his opposition um, of returning, but uh, looks like he's he's caved. So just let me I'll just summarize that because it's been a bit of a whirlwind. It's still oh. ongoing from when I last checked. Um, so he's he, it first was reported by Rappaport earlier today that he told people close to him. He's planning to play for the Packers this season. Um, and then Trey Wingo later in the day went on to report that Rogers, uh, coming back to green Bay would hinge on them trading for Randall Cobb, which I found funny. Um, but then Schefter went on to clarify later, Adam Schefter, that Rogers is in fact working on a new deal with green Bay. Uh, they've been, I guess, made some concessions according to Schefter, uh, Rogers was totally opposed and not even considering it as, as recent as a week ago. Um, but I guess the Packers really made like a last second plea with a number of con concessions. Uh, that's the term that Schefter used quite often um, in his report. Um, and they pretty much like uh, knocked off the last year of the, of the deal. They took it right off the table. Um, and I guess there's also the other concession that he mentioned was the idea that the Packers will sit down with him after this year to kind of review the contract and then consider a trade at that time. So, that's where it stands at this moment, Cap. Uh, really interesting relationship here going on. Got to be awkward for Green Bay Packers fans. Got to be awkward for management, for that, for LaFleur, like everyone. The whole thing is super bizarre. And let's start off with the word concession being used more often than maybe in the history of time. Like all these concessions, I don't know. Is he just like getting popcorn a lot? Like that's all I could kind of picture when he was, when I kept reading that. But um, I, I don't know. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to play this year out, and I, I, like, I feel like on a game to game basis, his general competitiveness will obviously come out, and he's gonna try to win every game, obviously. But what goes on between now and you know Christmas or now and New Year's when the regular season ends, right? Like this is like they're signing up for a breakup. It's so painful, and I guess if you're you know, your professionals, you can put it aside and try to try to win for one year, knowing that you're the favorite in the division. And, you know, Rogers could probably not touch a football until the Saturday night before, uh, you know, week one and be totally fine. But it just seems so like just such a big obstacle to actually having a great season, in my opinion, Yeah, as great as Rogers is. I don't know. I don't know where where are you with that, with just the whole vibe of the team and where that would actually net out kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I like I don't doubt Aaron, similar to you, I don't doubt Aaron Rodgers' ability right. to perform physically on the field. But um, I don't think you can ignore what's happened off the field. And I, I don't think, like, these are human beings still, right? So just in terms of team unity, football is a big team, man. And there's a lot of guys there who need to be on the same page for things to go right. Um and I think that's going to be a major challenge in that locker room. And I think guys have a lot of pride and they're going to feel disrespected by Aaron Rodgers not wanting to be there. I mean, as the leader of the team, we'll see how he addresses that amongst his teammates. Yeah. Um, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to be 
you know, diagnosing the locker room guy. Cause who knows, maybe he's got so much clout that it's just, people are like, yeah, man, you kind of got screwed. You're trying to do your own thing. We're just happy to have you. I don't know that that very well could be the vibe. Cause they know that they have a better chance to win with him than whoever else. Right. But I, I, I don't know. Just seems too, seems too messy to me. Like, all the just the way everything was worded, you know, the reports coming out that he was likely to retire amidst potentially becoming the highest played paid player in the NFL's history. I don't know. It, it's just it's just a little much for me. Like, good. I'm glad he's playing. I mean, I always I would rather watch Aaron Rodgers play on a Sunday than whatever scrub you know we're gonna get as a starter instead or or any anybody that they would trade for or jordan love to be exact jordan love yeah uh, yeah i mean i guess it would be his time and to be fair i don't i am excited to see if he uh you know if he can make make it for himself in the league after this uh this whole rogers thing you know pans out however it does but um i there's just so much going on and like you know we talked about last week you know, training camp started like we're not, it's not May 26th. Like it's July 26th here. It's just, it's, it's just too much for me personally to, to really get on board with them as a contender. Um, but then again, I don't know. You look at the NFC and that NFC West is going to beat each other up. Are you worried about anyone in the NFC East? No. And then that leaves the cells, which has the bucks. And then, are you really, you know, is, are Green Bay fans worried about playing any of the other three teams in a playoff game? For example, Atlanta, Carolina, or New Orleans? Like, I don't think so. So maybe as I talk myself into it that, uh, you know, and they're in a division that we're going to get to, and I don't know how, I mean, I know where I stand on these other three teams, not, not thinking very much of them. And, yeah, all right, all right. It took two minutes, and I'm all the way back in. All right, here we go. <laughs> wow. Stick to your guns, Capron. Well done. You didn't even necessarily step on your own toes. You just said, like, whether they're a contender. And I think, you know, this could be the difference from them getting all the way there. They weren't able to do it last year. Yeah. We'll see, though. Sometimes teams rally, to, rally together over weird instances. It's really hard hard to project. And it, in a sport where you lose one game in the postseason and you're done, right? You can get exactly. on a hot streak. We saw it with the Bucks last year. There, yeah. You know, it's amazing how often Tom Brady's name's being brought up. Um, you know, ESPN, Fox Sports, wherever you're watching, um, because they're ultimately describing the situation as Aaron Rodgers' jealousy of the situation Tom Brady found himself in uh, last year, where he ultimately got to choose his destination in a way and, and had control over his own destiny. And I, I think there is definitely some truth to that. I think he saw that yeah. and then he saw it pan out the way it did for Tom Brady. Not to mention that he lost to Tom Brady in his chosen destination in and, Tampa, Florida. Yeah. And the you know, the coach neutered him and didn't let him, you know, they they kicked the field goal on fourth down. Like, I don't know. Like that's hard. That whole scenario was hard. NFC championship game at home, even though they're, you know, limited fans, but like in the cold. In the cold, like you only there's a Florida that, team in the cold. Yeah, you only get to host so many of those, right? Like, like that's a really prime opportunity. And they got out coached, they got outplayed, and then he's just got to go back there and like run it all back. I like, I don't know, it's tough. My my buddy Jesse, who is as diehard a Packers fan as as you'll meet, just texted 
I said we were, you know, previewing the NFC North today. And this was actually before we got all the um those relatively new Rogers news. And he just said to tread lightly. So, you know, at Dutchy J V on Twitter, if you want to send your uh, your Rogers takes. I'm actually, I mean, that group chat as I'm looking is now blowing up with Rogers takes. So I'll be interested to catch up with those guys. Um but Packer fans like 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 Jesse and you know, obviously one of the bigger fan bases kind of here in Ontario too. I, I feel like there's a bunch of Packer fans around because uh, it's such a national team. Uh, really interested to hear what the general thought process is. It's like happy to have them back, happy to get the drama out of the way, but like where are we on the actual season? I think it's a really interesting dynamic and frankly one that we, you know, we don't see that often. Yeah, I, like I have a couple good Packer friends as well. I check, you know, I wanted to check in on the pulse of them, and I actually broke the news in a similar group chat of my own to my Packers friend. I said, "Connor, I owe you this. Here you go. Looks like he's going to be playing." And he, you know, because I I'd been giving him a pretty hard time since the NFC Championship game in Lambeau, as you can mm-hmm. imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was kind of my gift to him. Um, but he's, it's not like he's all fired up and excited. He's kind of saying, well, there's no. so much damage done. Like that's, And that's where I'm at. That's what I'm wondering just from the general. And there, there you go. Like, that's a good, uh, you know, just getting the pulse from, from one buddy like that too. So yeah. anyway, no one cares about our friends. Um, no. so shout out Jory Katz on YouTube, Johnny Santilli on YouTube, Trevor Bates on Facebook. Let's go. Uh, Christopher Cole's in the building. Corey Hall, Corey Corey Hall, pardon me, calling Rogers a diva. I mean, yeah, no, like, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, the guy, the guy hasn't talked to his family because, like, his mom didn't get the right type of mustard or something like that. Like, the guy can hold a grudge like nobody's business. It's unbelievable, right? Like, yeah, that's why I didn't think he was gonna play, man. I didn't think so either. He's so stubborn. Like, yeah, his whole family has these issues. I don't. I, don't, I have no idea who's in the right or wrong or if anyone huh. is. But just his character, like he's very stubborn. We've talked about it on the podcast before. And um, he can clearly cut people completely out, right? Like that's, I, I don't know if I want to say it's a skill or more just a thing that he has the ability to do. I think he could get the Packers out with no problem. and Just like never, oh yeah, I played for them. Great, that's it. Like that's the extent to the relationship. He did it with his family. Yeah, well, I thought he was going to cut the Packers out here. I think he's the one who caved. I think this is a good situation for the Packers. They at least somehow talked him into crawling back for for a minute, or they came crawling back, and he agreed. Yeah. I mean, he he didn't want to give up over thirty five million dollars. Um, so you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it would have been more interesting if he demanded a trade or left, and then Green Bay was trying to scramble for like Deshaun or something like that, and then that brings up the whole moral Deshaun issue and everything but i guess it's just a boring thing where he's gonna go back and play Ugh. yeah uh mustard is important scott i um, know i under hey i know that mustard that i know that as much as the next guy all right big mustard guy but you know am i cutting my parents out because of a condiment likely not i'm not gonna say for sure because depends on what we're having but <laughs> i i think i might be able to get over that but hey each their own right yeah shout out the pewter cast another great buccaneers podcast they put out great contact content uh whether that's ren or whomever i don't know but shout out you guys pewter cast love your work awesome 
Um, we get one of these. I, I don't know if it was from Benny Sokoloskis last week. I think it was someone else. James Wilder for the Ring of Honor. We've talked about that enough. I just want to shout it out because that is a common theme here amongst the Bucks faithful. Faithful, We agree with you. Let's get Wilder in there. I'm wondering, should should that just be a, an every episode bit where we just make our case for James Wilder? Maybe just cite uh, cite one new little nugget every single time while he's why why he's Ring of Honor worthy. I, I could who be knows? A segment. This could be the start. Could be a segment for sure. Um, so that's where we're at in terms of the Aaron Rodgers situation. We're talking NFC North today, so this worked out in our favor. Worked out great. Worked we were out kind really of, well. We were kind of delaying doing the this division because he is basically determines the division. Right. Right. We, we did, the, did, the outcome. Yeah. We and, and then so the other news, you know, we did the AFC South already w- with all the uncertainty regarding Deshaun Watson. And I just expected him to not be playing. So I'm shifting gears here to another elite NFL quarterback. Um, arguably a more valuable asset around the league if you consider his age. Yeah. Um that's that'd be a good debate actually to have um, considering Rogers still seems to be in his prime coming off an MVP yeah. season. But um, so I, it turns out Houston Texans, finally uh, they got the new GM coming over from new England. He has finally said they're willing to listen to trade offers for Deshaun Watson. I'm sure he wish he wishes he said that uh, before all of this legal issues and accusations came about from all of these different women. Uh, this was reported by Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport of the NFL network. Uh, so, oh, so yeah, Watson, uh, he, I guess it turns out he won't be dealing with any legal issues this season. So it's pretty much like ironclad. He, he has oh. not been, um, relegated by the league. I forget the terminology they use. He's not been put on the commissioner's exempt list or anything like that. So that leads people, anyone, me right now to believe, uh, he would be playing this season, but there's a lot of risk reward in terms of like potential trade partners, like. You know what I mean? If you're going to trade for Deshaun Watson, he's going to play a year for you, get acclimated to your system, be productive, I'm sure. But then what if what if in the offseason or next year, once this legal stuff, um, you know? But the yeah, the interesting dynamic with Watson is it'd be one thing if it was just sorry, not just the the allegations, because obviously that's but I mean, that's terrible and reason enough for him to be suspended and not play. If if any of this comes back as, as proven and true, in my opinion. But um, and that many, really? that many, that many accusations. I mean, yeah, of, of course. I mean, we don't have to, but yeah, yeah, I think you know where we stand. But um, there's no relationship between Watson and the front office at all. Like nothing, po- nothing positive. So it's the kind of the 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 two prongs of of what's going on here that just makes it so unlikely for him to play. Like it'd be one thing if, oh yeah, they, they were. Houston's doing everything they can to win and, and Deshaun trusts the front office, but now he's got this legal, he's got this, you know, personal legal issues that's going to be hanging over him for the season. I think they'd have no problem. I don't know, no problem. I think they would still be quite happy with him playing this year and then figuring it out from there. But like the it's, it is in bad, bad shape there. And uh, I don't know. I have, I don't have a, good read on what's going to happen here at all i I like i'd like to throw some things out like i don't think he plays i don't think he plays it down this year but like that's such a risk for a team to not only acquire him but but give how do you determine what type of assets you're willing to part with yeah uh it is certainly 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 a sticky situation that's not going to help houston 
which is just a franchise in absolute shambles. Oh, and their one, their one prized possession, um, Deshaun Watson has has followed suit and managed to, you know, totally tarnish his reputation and yep. the respectable aspects of his character, which were he was viewed as a great guy too. But um, so everything. <laughs> And it limits his trade value even like like limits any leverage that Houston could have had trading him before any of this stuff came out, right? Like, I mean, listen, NFL teams will put aside a lot of personal and legal issues to try to get the best player on the roster. We, we've seen that. So it's not like there would be no trade market, I would imagine, for Deshaun, but it is it's, it has to be considerably less than what it was. Like, that's obviously not a hot take or anything, but it's – it's just another black mark on Houston and, and what they're trying to do with, to, to do anything positive. For sure. Um, some teams being rumored as potential if there were to be suitors and we'll find out, man, who knows it's the NFL. Like maybe oh, there's a feeding, maybe there's a feeding frenzy for him. Like, you know, there was Deshaun Watson looking just, for masseuses in visiting cities. Like there could be people all over this. Wait till someone gets hurt in week three and then, you know, teams are going to be, oh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Deshaun's grown a lot from this, and uh, we think that's just in the past. And I think we might be able to trade him because, you know, we have a big game next week, right? Like, it's it's like clockwork. It's something like that is going to happen. It just is. Yeah. Uh, me, Cedor says, I think he's oh. a fit, fit in Philly. Here's the thing, me, Cedor. He's a fit anywhere on the field. Yeah, football-wise, it's unless, – unless, Unless that's a stab at uh, the quality of people who you'll find in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I don't know. You never know with me, Cedor. That uh, that's a pretty layered, uh, yeah. you know, comment by me, Cedor. If that's what he's if that's what he's getting into, a veiled shot at Philly on a Bucks podcast. But um, yeah, fair enough. I was thinking, I was actually thinking about Philly as a as a spot for him, just because who knows with Hurts and well, and the type of offense they're obviously trying to yeah run around him. Oh, so here's a tough one. Pewter cast, uh, you know, if you were a GM of an NFL team, uh, which I would be, I've just chosen not to be. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you've had the chances, right? So, right. I mean, no, you, I you're just, you, you're more of a work-life balance guy. Always have it. <laughs> uh, what would you give up in a trade for Watson? So that's a pewter cast coming in, uh, on, I think we're on Twitter. Um, Man, like, I, I guess ultimately what I'm saying, this is a cop-out, is like, I don't know because I just, it's, there's so much uncertainty. Like, I would need to have a lot more clarity regarding the legal side of things and what's going to happen with the NFL and if he's going to be on the commissioner's list and exempt. Like, there's so, this could go wrong in so many ways. Yeah. That being said, there are certain teams, I think, like the Broncos come to mind right away. They've been the number one team rumored around Aaron Rodgers. They have such nice pieces all over the field except the quarterback position. I mean, does a team like that I don't know what do you like I would consider maybe two future second round picks and a player? I, yeah, I have a tough time drawing any sort of uh line between what certain players go for on the like when they get traded because it seems to be different every single year. You know what I mean? Like I mean, so I can't come up with a package off the top of my head that. Well, you could compare. Sorry to cut you off. You could compare DeAndre Hopkins to Stephon Diggs, and that's yeah. two, two, two. If anything, DeAndre Hopkins is in a higher tier than Stephon Diggs, especially before last season. Yeah. Right. And then look what the Cardinals got gave up. Like, let me pull it up right here, just to be clear. Yeah, uh, versus what the Bills gave up, or uh, right to 
to get him. And that's why it's so tough for me. But like, so if you're talking about Watson just as a football player, I mean, you're putting together as competitive of a package that's literally ever been, you know, proposed for a quarterback. How many, how many quarterbacks of Watson's status and actual ability have ever been traded? Right. Like it just doesn't happen. These guys don't come available very often. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I'm trying to think of, uh, but just for comparison's sake, like, so the Cardinals gave up David Johnson, an overpaid over the hill running back. No offense, David, if you're watching. Um, and a second round pick and a fourth round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. And they also got a fourth round pick coming back. So that's yeah. insane. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, the Bills, the Bills gave up uh, first, fifth, and sixth round picks to acquire Stefan Diggs. So they had to give up more to get Diggs, who who proved to be well worth it. Um, but it's but, just what, what just to you know hit, hit your point of it is so hard to predict. I yeah, with the NBA, I feel like I have a better pulse on just what x player goes for I, I feel like it's more linear year to year football is so it seems it's seemingly so random and the trades trades are just so like they're not very, like they're pretty infrequent right so i don't know i guess it's yeah. all situationally dependent sorry that's a bit of a cop-out answer we could have i mean we could just make up a trade but yeah first and two seconds if you want to say something like that but uh yeah. yeah, so they'd offer a second and a third. So, you know, okay. a little bit less draft capital than I suggested in two future seconds. But it sounds like we're in a similar frame of mind in that regard. Yeah, and um, given the Watson baggage, too. Like, we, we weren't factoring in. Like, we were just talking about it literally as a player without all this other stuff. But, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're getting tons of good commentary here. And I've got, yeah, a, a, I've got a prestigious guest waiting here in the waiting room. Um, so I want to make sure we get him in here so we can chat about Bucks training camp. So hold your thoughts related to Deshaun Watson and hypothetical scenarios. Um, I want to welcome in Evan Winter. I'm just going to switch our overlay here and get Evan in the building. Whoops. You got this. There we are. Evan, how are you, my friend? What's up, Colin? What's up, Scott? Hope y'all are doing well. I can't be better outside of the red complexion. I'm good. Oh. <laughs> yeah. How hot like, was it out there? No joke. I've gotten redder since yesterday when I came on with Gene, and I was literally there's like three other blue walls in here, but I forgot my light at home. So like this is the best spot, and I'm hey. literally blending in. Like if you, the only way you can like see me is if I smile right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you pull it off well, man. Hey, man. Pleasure to have you, and then you know. Nice to meet you. Yeah, same here. Same here. Uh, and pleasure thanks. to be on. Thank you all for having me. Oh, thanks a ton, man. Yeah, long overdue for us. Um, I'm going to post Evan's article. He put out a great article on Bucks yes. Report today, just summarizing some of the things that he uh, – some of his observations from camp today. I read through it. Um, I know people are eager to hear, Evan. Um, how was the vibe down there, man? How was it today? You were, you've been there both days, right? You were there uh, yesterday as well? Right. Yeah. I mean, yesterday the vibe was just out of this world. I mean, it was the season pass holders. You know, obviously it was a Sunday. People weren't working and it was the most hype crowd. I mean, there have also been several outlets that have talked about the crowd and just the players in general, how stoked they were to be back. Today was a good vibe as well. Um, but Bruce Arians did allude to how 
he can tell the heat is wearing on guys. And over the last 30 minutes of practice, the last two days, it's been a little sloppy. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely uh, the correct perception. And I mean, but dude, guys, this heat is no joke. I just finished up my newest uh, episode, a uh, podcast episode for Believe in Bucks. And I talked about it specifically. Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs both said, First off, Donovan Smith said he's lost up to 10 pounds in this type of weather in one practice at some points. And then Tristan Wirfs literally said he lost five pounds today. I'm losing my beer gut even right (laughs) now as I speak to y'all. So, like, I can kind of relate. The heat is absolutely no joke. And today was even worse than yesterday because there was no cloud cover, no wind. Um, But overall, like Arian said, the guys have to push through. They have to get used to it because this is life. This is Tampa. And those who did not practice in it, earlier in the year well they knew what they were coming into so you know at the end of the day you just got to push through no doubt that's I, it makes you respect those big boys man like I, i'm always praising the old linemen but they're such athletes in their own right and to think how much harder it would be carrying that much weight around uh dealing with that kind of heat you know think of a guy like vita vea too coming oh, from man. the northwest like tristan Wirfs coming from from iowa like it's just got to be a major adjustment so now, I didn't give a proper introduction anyway, so I just want to say, so like for anyone who doesn't know, I know most of our Bucks Report viewers do know, Evan is the talented lead writer at BucksReport.com. Uh, also a contributor, correct me if I'm wrong, Evan at Rock, Rocky Top Talk, uh, where, yep. where you cover the volunteers, because you're from Tennessee, right? That's where you live. Right. Yep, Nashville, Tennessee. Yes, sir. Right on. So how long are you going to be in Tampa, man? Uh, till Saturday. So I've got about six days left and today's practice flew by. They really need to slow down because I'm not going to be ready to go back. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Man. But yeah. I, I think it's funny how you mentioned, though, Tristan Wirfs being from Iowa because literally on the in the current series. And by the way, I can see Ren down there the pewter cast comment. I know that's such a Ren comment. <laughs> so now you, you, you can confirm <laughs> it is Ren. Uh, but no, Rand, I'm at an Airbnb, not my grandma's house, by the way. But um, <laughs> Tristan Wirfs, literally on an episode of In the Current, like it was a chilly, you know, just like, you know, 65, 70 degree day. And he's like, man, this reminds me of home. This is back in Iowa. So mm-hmm. I, I thought it was funny you mentioned that. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. In the Current. that Maybe that's what what reminded me in my mind. Um, and like you talking about Bruce Arians, you know, he's, he's understanding. He's expecting a little bit of sloppy play. He, he mentioned, I mean, that how happy he is to turn the page after, you know, the ring ceremony and the White House visit because it's really close to training camp. It almost would have been nice yeah. if they, they got that taken care of on their agenda, but I guess the White House uh, has other pressing issues, so it kind of works out. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, got a few. <laughs> yeah. I, Evan, I, lo- I love what you – I like how you address Jaden Mickens because Mickens is a guy I've taken flack for talking about. I thought he was great last year, especially in the postseason returning kicks. Right. Um, and and very productive in limited opportunity at the receiver position, like a, a valuable guy. And I've also always been a Justin Watson guy. So this is one of the issues when you have a team just absolutely stacked at a position like wide receiver, where guys got to be able to contribute on special teams to make the team. Um, you saw some some things from Jaden Mickens that jumped out at you today, correct? Yeah, from both days, actually. I mean, he's both caught days. just about every single pass thrown his way. He's making catches over the middle. He's making catches on short out routes. I mean, he's really showing some improvement as a receiver. And, you know, we always hear Bruce Arians talk about the reserve guys and how they need to play special teams in order to make this team. Well, it's the reverse for Mickens this year. We know he can play special teams. Mm. He's got to show development as a receiver if he wants to stick to the 53. And obviously, unless you're a Dante Hall or a Devin Hester, 
if kick returning kicks is your primary thing, you're, you're never really guaranteed a roster spot at the end of the day. Oh. And this is great in a twofold type of scenario because a obviously it's helping Mickens in his quest to retain his roster spot but it's also good for the bucks because with justin watson being on the pup and being out for a certain amount of time they need somebody to step up so it, it's working twofold right now and it's encouraging to see speaking of which like um earlier in otas there was some good footage coming out of Mickens, and i and this is just another way to kind of segue into another player uh, who's competing directly with Mickens. You obviously know I'm talking about Jalen Darden, um, fourth-round pick out of North Texas. The cool thing I noticed during OTAs was that Mickens was like kind of – seemed like he was mentoring and really helping Darden despite the fact they're competing for the same position. And that, to me, is awesome to see, especially like, you know, Mickens isn't guaranteed a spot on this team. Um, but how did Darden look? Uh, I know you covered it a bit in the article, but for anyone who hasn't read it yet, um, and I'd love to just hear it from from you uh, verbally here. Like, like, tell us about D- Jalen Darden, man. He was impressive again. Um, he showed off, you know, yesterday he had some some drops, and Bruce Arians specifically mentioned that. Now, and he did have some drops again today, but he did show off the hands that Bruce Arians referred to yesterday, especially, man, it, if this was a regular season game, it easily would have been one of the top highlights from the game. It reminded me a lot of Tyler Johnson's third and 12 catch against the Saints in the playoffs, um, except for a little bit more of a highlight. Uh, it was just he was running a curl. Uh, Brady threw it. as The ball was there. As soon as Mickens was there to turn around, he caught it on his back shoulder. And was and from what it looked like, he was on the opposite sideline. But based off the reaction from that sideline, it looked like he stayed in bounds. Regardless, the the effort was so impressive, and he was able to hold on to the ball. And then uh, a couple plays before that, he made a really nice diving catch from Tom Brady over the middle. So he's getting open, man. I mean, he's routinely burning Carlton Davis. Now, I know Carlton's not really known for speed. He's more known for his length and his physicality. But at the same time, he's getting open. And, I mean, as long as he can continue to improve – He's definitely going to find his way out into the field. And I think in a lot more of a capacity than a lot of us anticipated coming into training camp. Yeah. And there were rumblings that Brady actually had identified Darden behind the scenes as a guy right. who he, he had interest in. So I'm curious, you know, whether there's actual fire to that smoke or if that's just kind of like media rumblings. I, c- I couldn't, you know, decipher the source for you now, but that's an interesting thing. You know, he does seem like a Brady type of guy. Um, good hands, shifty. So you're, we're talking about him getting open, getting wide open, having good hands, but like that's not even him displaying his yards after catches, yak yard potential, right? Uh, which is another huge element of his game. Obviously, being considering the the thought that he was drafted to step in immediately as a return guy potentially. So, um, well, and plus Brady's talked about it like he's so aware of making sure he's putting the ball in the right spot to give receivers the most opportunity to get those yak yards right to to make them to give them time to make plays in space so just another thing to think about like that's that's huge for him right so um yeah and brady can definitely deliver the ball in those proper places i mean he's done it so far through the first i mean obviously we saw it last year we've seen it over the course of his career but he's doing it just as effectively as always over these first two days so so and yeah so leading into that evan i just wanted to just a general brady question is it just is it just like mouth, like jaw dropping to see him still doing? Like he still looks this good. I mean, yeah, we, they just won the Super Bowl six months ago. We know there's obviously not a huge drop off between then and now. But 
he's still out there looking just as good as ever. I, I'm assuming these first couple of days that you've seen him. Oh yeah, for sure. And he looks yeah. great. And uh, yesterday he was wearing a brace on his left shin. I'm not right off the top of my head. I'm not too sure if it was his left knee or his right knee, whichever one was operated on. I would assume it was his left considering mm -hmm. that was what the shin was or the brace was on um, or sleeve rather. Sorry, not a brace. Uh, but today it was completely removed. So oh. it looks like the confidence is there in the knee. It looks like everything's going well. And obviously it hasn't affected his play through these first two games or first two practices. And the connection between him and Mike Evans is something I mentioned today as well. Me and Cedar says it's great on Facebook. It's crazy how quickly Evan. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's hilarious? I just pulled this up, though. I didn't mean to pull this up to put you on blast, Evan. I thought he was talking about Mike Evans. Not I did getting, too. Not I getting did. talked about. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that was my first so, thing. My bad. I and that was a perfect time to do it because you were talking about how you talked about Mike Evans. So I was going to get like, Evans, yeah. Here you go, me, Cedor. It's like you could. The only way you can see me right now is like the light reflecting off my forehead. That's, <laughs> that's right. Hey, Evan. Uh, so just reading your piece today, I thought one of the more interesting. Well, it was all good, but the my biggest takeaway was uh, was Gio Bernard being the go-to guy, and then. Uh, in the two-minute drill or the 125, I believe you had in the article. It, I mean, we know Brady and Arians are big trust guys. I, I got to think that's a that's a harbinger of where their where their heads at for this offense coming up. Hundred percent, and it's obviously a testament to the faith they had in Geo whenever yeah. you know they were clamoring at the or chomping at the bit rather to bring him in during the off season. You know, I mean, both Brady and Arians have specifically mentioned how they wanted to bring him in. And it goes a lot or a long way to show the type of trust they have and to handle that type of important, you know, of a situation. Now, granted, mm -hmm. I'm going to be keeping a close eye on it tomorrow to see if it's the same thing. Who knows if they throw uh, Rojo or Fournette in there just to mm -hmm. see if they can handle it and how they perform. But I, not uh, this isn't completely accurate, but I know at least – three or four passes went to Bernard during those final drills. And he also caught a touchdown during the goal to go situation drills uh, to end the game or to end practice. And when I say that, what they do, the bucks, they line up about the nine or 10 yard line and they have nine seconds left on the clock. So it's an obvious passing situation. Um, he was in there at, with Tom Brady. And the cool part was they were even splitting him out wide in a stacked formation sometimes. So, I mean, they're using him all over the place. It's also oh. worth noting that Keyshawn Vaughn was with the twos in those scenarios as well. So you would have to think right now, like I said, this all could change over the next few days. It's still early. Mm -hmm. But you would have to think right now if Bernard were to go down, Keyshawn might even be inserted into that role, which is – and I say this nicely, which would be an indictment on where Rojo and Fournette are in the coaches' minds. But obviously that's has that remains to be seen. You know, we yeah. got first. Um, and then the, the second biggest surprise sticking with the 125 and the whole goal to go thing was Sedarius Hutcherson with the twos at right guard. Um, you Undrafted know, free agent, big pickup. Right. Right, and the key with that for me, and this is something I've talked about all offseason, is so you know how the NFL has the rule now where you can increase the 53-man roster to 55 if you carry eight offensive linemen on the team. Okay, cool. But let's say one of those guys get hurt. Well, that drops you automatically to seven, which is below that eight threshold. Well, that just means you're going to have to cut another player in order to get back to that eight offensive lineman threshold in order to carry 55 players. 
Now, that might not be a priority for the Bucks coaching staff. I would think it is. It would definitely be for me because roster spots are valuable in the NFL. So I say all this to say I, it would make total sense, and it's almost like the Bucks should carry nine offensive linemen into the season. Well, they already have eight pretty much solidified. You've got the starting five. You've got Stinney. You've got Josh Wells. And then you've got Robert Hainsey. So who's going to win that ninth spot? Is it going to be Brad Sitton? Is it going to be Sedarius Hutcherson? So on and so forth. I found it to be very interesting that Sedarius was playing right guard with the twos. And who knows how that's going to play out. I'm happy to hear that because I would want it to be Hutchison without a doubt, uh, personally, out of those names you just mentioned. Uh, was Hainsey playing center with the twos? Did you yep. notice? Yep. Yeah, he was back at he was back at center with the twos again today. Uh, was there yesterday, obviously, day one on Sunday. So and that's still something I'm going to monitor while I'm here because, you know, as I've talked about in, on the articles and all that other stuff, uh, Bruce Arians has talked about how he can play all five positions. So is he going to get a crack or are the Bucks thinking, you know, he's mostly going to be the center? So far, it looks like he's going to be the center or backup center, rather. Right. Now, b- before we ask another question, if you still have time, Evan, you just let us yeah. know when you got to dip out, man. Yeah, but I just want to give a special shout out to my co-host, Scott Capron, for dropping the term harbinger very <laughs> casually. Very oh, casually. I, I assume you came up with that uh, Googling the head coach of Michigan and uh, the Harbaugh <laughs> brothers and you, you, you lost. Like, there's no way you just knew that, man. Like, you must, must got to be mistaken. You're making it sound like it's some word that's never been said before. And trust me, I don't have to Google Harbaugh. He lives in my nightmares every single time I go to bed. So, uh, <laughs> no, that's fresh at the front of my brain. And as he's, far got, as- he's got a good nightmare face, too, Harbaugh. <laughs> Yeah, that that might be his nightmare face or his uh, Merry Christmas face or his birthday. It's hard to say because he's such an absolute psycho. But uh, all right, I was trying to hold off. All right, you brought up Harbaugh. You you know what is supposed to be a Bucks thing, Colin? God. When Scott gets fired up, like we call him Scotch, our friend sometimes Scotch, you know, who doesn't enjoy a drink of Scotch. He goes down easy. He makes you extra giggly sometimes. But when he's really running hot, I call him Scotch Bonnet. So I just I just saw a taste of the Scotch bonnet. So well, I don't we don't want that to come out. Um, well, so. with Evan being a Tennessee guy, I think there's a lot of uh, you know overlap between Tennessee fans and Michigan fans trying to recreate the '90s. And um, yeah, I don't see it. And just utterly failing. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. People people are pretty optimistic in July, and then they have to play games. And uh, yeah, here we'll see what we'll see what happens. Well, let's switch over to the Pac-12, shall we? Because I want to hear a little bit about Joe Tryon. You touched on his versatility in your article, which has come up as a big reason why Todd Bowles and the rest of the staff was so intrigued by him to, to use their first-round selection on him. Sounds like you saw some of that today. And I would also like you to, if you're able, uh, I don't know how good of a look you got of him, but like he looks like an action figure, man, Like like on social media. I haven't seen him up close. Like That dude looks like an absolute stud athlete. Yeah, he, he looks as natural as an outside edge rusher as, you know, whoever can come to mind, whether it's Khalil Mack. Obviously, he's not as big as Khalil, but, I mean, just the length with the arms, the frame, stocky yet slim, uh, just chiseled. Yeah, man, he, and he's looked really well. And the biggest thing with him so far is he's been getting in the backfield. Uh, the first day he squeezed through the right side of the offensive line, got into the backfield, would have stopped the ball carrier if it was a real, uh, real play. Uh, today he just, now I know it's just, <laughs> I was with Scott Reynolds talking to him about this, and he was like, Yeah, but it was Tanner Hudson. I was like, Okay, you got me there, but he did, <laughs> he did fly by Tanner Hudson today. Uh, and I mean, the dude's a missile, 
And yeah, he was rushing out of a three point stance, you know, with his hand in the dirt. He was rushing out of a two point stance, obviously standing up. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday, he was on the left side of the defense. Today, he was on the right side of the defense. Um, and then he even caught a pass on a fake field goal drill. So, I, I mean, saw that. I saw that. That's yeah, amazing. That's the, awesome. Dude's, the dude's doing everything. So, uh, it's really cool to see how the Bucks are using him so far. And, and yeah, man, he just he just looks natural out there. And uh, as Scott Reynolds uh, also uh, referred to in his uh, camp report from today, he has great pad level as well. So Shaq Barrett called him the real deal after practice. Um, I saw that in your can, article. That's big praise. Yeah, if if he can if he can provide just you know four and a half five sacks this year, I mean that's going to help this defense so much. I was expecting that in the first half of the first game. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, totally reach high, reach high. Totally normal. Uh, but just sorry, sorry Scott, Scott, just to, to you know, um, piggyback on the Toronto thing with the way the defense was playing towards the end of the year, and then to just get this like freak young ball of clay to potentially mold and just let him get after it like that how exciting is that just to add another dimension to the defense and that's the thing like you know to to keep in mind when talking about the bucks like they won the super bowl all these additions are just adding to a team that was uh, you know literally the best in football last year so it's just so exciting to actually talk about and hear it from evan's perspective yeah, and it should it should be a good short term plan and a good long term plan. You know, he should be able to come in and provide a spark whenever yeah. Shaq and JPP are, are taking a breather, and then you know Shaq and JPP also are on the bat. Well, not Shaq, but uh, JPP's on the final year of his deal. He's not going to get any cheaper, and if it is cheaper, it's only by a million or two dollars. He's still going to be an eight figure guy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Shaq, you know, as he gets on up there in his contract, as it becomes more and more inflated, the Bucks are going to have to have some kind of relief. So, yeah, it, it's good to see him. It's good to see him taking off like he is, especially when you consider he hasn't played since 2019 and he had offseason knee surgery this year. So, I mean, just with those two cards stacked against you right there, you know, that'd be a surprise if he's not on the field that much. But he's literally, when the twos are on the field, Joe trying out there. So it's been fun to watch. They're going to find a way to, to get creative and use him. And you always need that rotational you know, edge rusher who can come in and spell. JPP was banged up a lot last year. And I mean, in in a lot of ways, his athletic profile is very similar to JPP when he came out in terms of size. So you're right, Evan, seems like a perfect, you know, replacement, you know, in another year or two or or whatever works out there. Um, I haven't had a chance to catch up with you, um, to talk with you, Evan, since, you know, our miraculous, the Buccaneers miraculous playoff run last season. Um, I want to know, like, do you have, like, one or two moments along that magical playoff run that stick out in your mind? Like, I know you've probably rewatched all those playoff games just like I have. (laughs) Are there any that, like, sorry to put you on the spot, but are there any that come to mind? Yeah, you're good. I can almost list one for each game. The Washington (laughs) game would be the A-B touchdown. Uh, The Saints game would be the Devin White interception. I literally jumped off my couch whenever that happened. Uh, The Green Bay game is – a really close battle between the Scotty Miller halftime touchdown or before halftime touchdown. And then the Chris Godwin pitch toss to end the game. Oh yeah, dude, that I, when I saw that, I was just like, they just totally did that. And they yeah. won the game off of it. I mean, it was genius call perfect play. And then also the Chris Godwin deep pass in the green, in the green Bay game. Um, but then the Super Bowl, 
man, it's really hard to pick from all of those. But I have to say the Leonard Fournette touchdown run, just because of what it meant at the time. Like when he scored that touchdown, I I literally looked at my wife and I said, they're going to do this. They're going to win this game. Like that just won the game. And just how the offensive line destroyed Kansas City's defense on that run, you know, it was just the absolute, you know, foot on the neck type play that really yeah. sealed the deal. Well said, man. And that was an incredible individual effort for Fournette. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. My, my favorite was the uh, – was the Buccaneers receiving the opening kickoff of the Super Bowl because I saw that coming from a mile away. So a few of us probably. Oh, my that. God. You're just, uh, you're just such a good better. It's thanks. unbelievable. <laughs> You've been calling that for, for years, I think, actually. I'm, wow. Before wow. Arians before that. Arians was here, actually. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, um, that Scotty, Mil- the Scotty Miller touchdown uh, b- just before halftime, I remember – just thinking they're going to win this game. They're coaching to win. Right. They're playing to win. They're, you know, and then the complete antithesis of that is in, is uh, with Green Bay kicking the field goal, right? When they're down, right. when they're down. And then that's the difference. You got to play to win. And that's exactly what they did. And uh, uh, that Godwin pitch, that, that was unbelievable in the time. And, and it was, and it was, uh, but to me, that Scotty Miller touchdown was like, wow. Evan, do you oh, remember? Yeah, it, it just completely, it just completely brought all the feelings back from the Week Six matchup, and then just dom. I was like, at that point, I thought they were only by thirty points. You know, like yeah. they came back a little bit in the second half, but at that point, I was just like, oh my god, they're going to decimate them just like they did in Week Six. Mm-hmm. Do you remember in the Saints game, Evan? I think it was in the second quarter or third, and it's actually a, like it's the play that Godwin dropped. It must have been like a thirty-yard dart on a post pattern, at the back of the end zone, and he somehow toe tapped it and then rolled. Do you remember that play? Yes, yeah, that was an amazing play too. Yeah, I remember that. And the ball is like shot up at yeah, Adam's that's like his body control or whatever. Yeah, wow. I remember that one. That that would have been I mean, one obviously of the AW Junior force fumble on Jared Cook in that one. With and Devin White wow. was on the recruit, the receiving end. I mean that that just what that play meant at the time with momentum the Saints had and stuff. I mean that was a great play too. Man, you you just crushed that one with taking us down memory lane. That that <laughs> awesome. was beautifully done. That I didn't give great. him. I didn't tell him this, folks, beforehand. He doesn't have a, a damn idea of what I'm about to ask him. So, Evan, that yeah. was done done like a true pro. Similar, similar to how Evan didn't have those questions ready, Colin didn't even get like a tip-off about the heads or tails call for the Super Bowl coin toss. So they're basically the same <laughs> thing, like equally impressive. Just really good stuff. Yeah, you stole my next line. Like I was trying to make that <laughs> comparison between Evan and myself. Well, um, I saw it coming. It was a harbinger. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's all time together now. It's there all we are. There we are. A Jim Harbinger, we'll call oh, it. God. Um. All right, Evan. Last one, because uh, you're being very generous with your time. I just want to know what you think is the biggest question mark for the Bucks this season, aside from injury. Like, you know, injuries, of course, could derail any aspect of the roster. But, um, what do you, what do you think it is? Like, what are you most unsure about? Or, or think could be the big difference maker for this team heading into the 2021 season? So most unsure, my my one biggest worry is, you know, what's going to come out of this running back battle? You know, I mean, like, are, are Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones going to show that they've improved in the areas they needed to? Granted, you have Geo to make up for a lot of those deficiencies, but I, I had Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders. He's the founder of Football Outsiders, which is one of the top and uh, advanced analytics sites in the country. I had him on the podcast last week 
And I actually asked him about Gio Bernard and he made a really good point. He said, you don't want to be checking down to Gio Bernard. I mean, at the end of the day, as good as he is as a receiver, as good as he is as, with the ball in his hands, that's just not what you want to be doing. So, you know, if Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones can't take these necessary steps, then it's going to obviously create more room for Gio. But Gio at this point in time is a little more limited back. I, I just it could create a cluster real quick. And we also know how quick Bruce Arians is to pull running backs. Oh, yeah. when they aren't really working out. So there's a lot of questions there. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, fortunately, they have four decent backs, you know, who can at least make some kind of a difference at the end of the day if they do have to go down the line. But my biggest overall question, and it's not really a worry, it's not really a concern, it's just more of, you know, a question of intrigue. Can this offensive line play the way it did over the last five or six weeks of the season, especially in the postseason? Because if it plays how it played in the postseason, I mean, I don't see how you stop this offense. They're the favorite. They're the NFC favorite for sure. If they're right. that good again, and the way they were just moving bodies, protecting Brady, opening up running lanes over those last four games against pretty decent competition too. I mean, Washington, St. Uh, St. Louis, uh, New Orleans, and then Green Bay. Eh. But then Kansas City has a pretty good couple of players on their defensive front. I mean, just the way they just absolutely dominated those last four weeks, that's what I want to see. And if that happens, then this offense is going to be in great shape. I love that you brought up the offensive line because, yeah. I mean, anyone who's watched the Buccaneers, what, what we experienced last year, the security blanket of that offensive line, keeping Tom Brady upright and just continuing to gain momentum as a unit over the course of the season was it was like this refreshing breath of air of something that Bucks fans I don't think had experienced aside from, you know, having a couple standout players, but never has a unit had that kind of chemistry. Um, and then combined with individual talent and just the, the attitude, you know, that Ryan Jensen brings and Ali Marpet brings up there. Um, but I, I would be lying if there wasn't a little bit of fear, like it almost felt too perfect how good they played and how, how good of a year Tristan Wirfs had. And I love Tristan Wirfs. But, you know, for him, it's going to be a lot of pressure on him to sustain the standard he has set for himself with such a dominant rookie season. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And it's hopefully it only gets better from there. And if it does, you know, like I said, it's just going to make everything more better uh, on the offensive line. And obviously, you know, Alex Kappa, can he take the next step in his development? Ryan Jensen's in a contract year, you know, and obviously he improved last year. He did have a really oh, – it is worth mentioning, he did have a another high snap today that sailed completely over Blaine Gabbard's head. So that's obviously been kind of an issue, and that cropped up again today. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, you just – like I said, if – it's almost like the Denver Broncos when it comes to the running game, like back in the day when Mike Shanahan was around. If they can play as well as they did during the postseason, it doesn't matter who you put back there at running back, which will obviously – erase a lot of the uh, earlier concerns. And I see Ren down there as well asking about the uh, the cornerbacks. And, yeah, of course, but they asked me what my biggest concern was. So. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Evan Evan and Ren going. You Ren's know, my dude, man. I love it. Yeah, Ren, Ren does a great job. Got to get you on soon, Ren. <laughs> there we go. I was just going to say, and the other thing is, you know, it's just really hard to repeat, right, in this league. It's just, it's just very hard to do it. But when you have Brady at the helm, like he's – he wants to win every Super Bowl from now until 2050, right? So I, as there are certain teams I would have more concern about maybe a level of um, 
of content with with what they had but i don't know evan i mean you're gonna you're gonna have your finger on the pulse over this next week and i hope you know you'll be able to tell this even better over the next few days but i gotta think the hunger is still there and, and that brady isn't going to let them you know take the foot off the gas which is just huge and, and so necessary to try to repeat in the nfl yeah and bruce arians isn't going to let him take the foot off the gas either i mean he's been yeah. so adamant about how he's ready to get this started i mean one of his best quotes of the offseason was when they were at the White House, and he's like, I'm so ready for Thursday night in reference to the ring ceremony. He's like, I'm so ready for that to be over because I'm ready to move ready. on. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not going to let it happen either. Evan, yeah, Evan, one more question for you, if you, if you don't mind. Quick, quick quick thoughts on Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. I love it, man. I yeah. love it. Um, mainly because the only oh, – and sorry if y'all are Oklahoma fans, but the only people I've ever met that are Oklahoma fans in my life have been complete douchebags. So oh, I can't wait to watch them get their ass kicked, you know, two, three times a year. Uh, but, no, overall, it's just going to make it that much more fun. And yeah. it makes that much sense uh, in today's college football because now you're paying players. These schools have to make as much money as they can in order to stay competitive. That has a lot to do with it now, even if a lot of the endorsements are outside endorsements. And, plus, you got to think – eventually it's going to get to the point where the schools can actually pay the players. So it's just all about making money. They're going to expand the playoff to 12 teams, whether yeah. you know we like that or not. That's a different conversation. But that also adds insurance that a two to three loss team will still get in the playoff. So even if the SEC yeah, yeah. is harder than the Big 12, they still have a great shot at getting in. I mean, it's just a no-brainer at the end of the day. And, it, and it's going to make it more fun. And I can't yeah. wait to see where it goes from here. For sure. And we're just inching ever closer to the four, four super conference models here, right? Which is, you know, it's the writing's been on the wall for a while. And then Texas and OU have been kind of holding the Big 12 hostage, it seems like, for, for the last five to 10 years, right? With potential moves to the, to the Pac 12. I mean, Texas has been linked to the Big 10 as well. So for them to actually go to the SEC where all the power is and just two more, two more of the biggest brands to be in that league is, phenomenal for football i think it's the end of the big 12 but uh you know that's i fine. think i think too it's the end of the ncaa eventually because there's no way you're going to be especially if it gets to the point where schools are paying players you're not going to be able to regulate all this how are you going to wow. regulate all this there's no wow. way so whatever the hell the ncaa does now you know i don't even know what they do now really uh they just seem to like be a major buzzkill that's the only thing they're good at yeah um <laughs> i just easily see it disbanding you know within the next five to ten years as everything progresses yeah. Yeah. And then the major four leagues just do their own thing. And that's, right. yeah, that's probably that's good. what's going to happen. So I know Scott told you that was the last question, but you can't trust Scott as far as Ryan Suckup <laughs> can throw a football. So um, he's a, uh, the last thing I want to ask, Evan, did you get a look at those rings? Did anyone, did you get an in-person look at one of those incredibly immaculate pieces of jewelry? Yeah, actually, I did. I, I didn't get as close of a look as, you know, Poppy and Sammer and Stank, you know, as they so uh, uh, unselfishly posted on Twitter. <laughs> Just shouting, I love those guys. Um, but no, and it was super random. Like this one team worker. I hate to refer to him like that, but that's just what the truth of the matter was. Uh, he happened just to be standing right next to me yesterday, and he was showing this family the ring. And I was about two feet away and totally vaccinated, by the way. <laughs> but uh, he was he was uh, showing it, and dude, it's unreal, man. It's yeah. everything y'all have seen, just multiply <laughs> it times 100, and that's what it looks like in person. Incredible. Wow. Incredible. Awesome. Well, Evan, really can't – Thank you enough, man. Really appreciate your insight. Um, 
do you want to just uh, let us know where, where people can get a hold of you, read your work, listen to your podcast, all that good stuff? Of course. Uh, find me on Twitter at Evan underscore winner. Uh, find my written stuff on BucksReport.com. And then the Believe in Bucks podcast, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, you know, all the major uh, places to find your podcasts. And that's at Believe Podcasts and on Believe.com as well. Awesome. Right on. Yeah. And we'll we'll maybe tweet that out to uh, from Bucks Banter just so sure. people For didn't sure. catch it. Thanks Sounds a lot, great. Evan. We'll have to do it again sometime, my man. I really appreciate you. Yeah, For sure. Man. I'm here all week. Just let me know. Right on, man. Get Thanks, some rest, eh? All right, yeah, I got to put some aloe on too. On. There you go. Yeah, yeah. All right, take care. Well, that was awesome. Yeah, great. That was great insight. I'm really pleased with Evan yeah. delivering on that. Evan's awesome. He's a great writer and uh, does a fantastic job. A guy from Tennessee coming into town to cover the Bucks in training camp. Um, oh. You know he's got to be straight zonked uh, talking about that sunburn and all that. Yeah, it's a long day that heat takes something out of you. Um, so yeah. really I, appreciate him coming through. I could have kept going too. I had so many, I had a few questions just about actually like, you know, how do you cover a practice? Like, what are you focusing on? Are you, are you making the rounds or like, is it best to stay? Like, you know, we've never covered a practice. I think that, well, I haven't actually, you probably have. Um, but yeah, anyways, I mean, he was awesome and, uh, well, we got to have him back on for sure. Yeah. Next Monday, we're actually going to have, uh, Joshua Cole Allen from the Pewter Report, who is also going to give us some great insight. He'll be at training camp uh, days before. He's going to make an appearance with us on our live show next Monday. Um, so we'll be able to ask him a bunch of good stuff. And I'm sure we will interact with Evan again. He's always here and there uh, around Bucks, or Bucks Report and various Buccaneers media outlets. Um, one thing I wanted to discuss really briefly because um, we haven't had a chance to hit on it, is the video of Tom Brady that he put out <laughs> yesterday throwing footballs into the jugs. Yeah, throwing those footballs into the jugs machine. It caused quite a stir on social media because a lot of people thought it was real, which leads me to ask my question for you, Scott Capron, and I want you to answer this honestly. Were you one of those many, many people who thought it was real at first glance? I, I wanted to think it was real. I did because, well, I got into an argument with a buddy today because he, he was talking about the video before the – the match with Bryson and Rogers and Mickelson about it. He made like those two 40 foot putts back to back, which I thought that was at least believable. Cause who knows if that's like, you know, the hundredth take and he just has to make one and then repeat it. I got to think the jugs one is fake as much as I want it to be real. It just seems too unlikely. I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's fake. It's for sure. Yeah. Fake. Okay. Um, but I just like, I like how, I like how so many people thought it was real. Cause like, it just like, not even like I don't think it's physically possible. The jugs machines yeah. on the rotating axis in the opposite direction. Like, um, but anyway, uh, cool. I wanted your take on that because I got the vibe. I was like, Scotty, I think thinks this is real when we share. I, I just like to believe in in Brady. I just wanted it to be real. I think, but yeah, no, I, I don't see how that's even remotely possible. So. Yeah, one of the things I like about you too, Scott Capron, for not being a Buccaneers fan and always giving us your objective opinion, is you don't gush over Tom Brady. You've never even brought up the fact he he went to Michigan. So, well, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty well known. I suppose I could bring it up more frequently, but then it's like you know, he played at Michigan twenty two years ago, so it's a little you know, it's a little bit past uh, you know the statute of of bragging about it, I suppose. But I mean, let's face it, he's one of the, yeah, I mean, he's by far the 
best Michigan player in NFL history. And uh, even though his college career was good, but, it, you know, we didn't see this coming. But, um, yeah, I love him. I have a Brady Michigan jersey for what it's worth. There we go. Right on. Well, we had some other I, – I think we've we've done a good job using this first hour here to discuss the Buccaneers, get the inside information uh, from Evan, from Bucks training camp. Um, and we also talked about some of the breaking news around the league. Let's let's we, we promised ourselves we would turn out another one of these division previews because we got to get through them all so we can start talking about some other stuff as the season approaches. Uh, our beloved co-host on vacation, Bo, Bo would be straight up pissed off if we didn't at least uh, tag yeah. one off the off the checklist like we promised. So let us discuss the NFC North. And how we see this division shaking out. Of course, that consists yeah. of the Lions, Bears, Vikings, and Packers. Oh my! <laughs> nice. Uh, so we'll start. We'll start with the cream of the crop. Um, in the midst of a, we're talking about the Detroit Lions, five and eleven last season. Uh, new regime in there. Brad Holmes at GM, head Did coach. Did you say the cream of the crop? Y- yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was yeah. Just making- that- I was just making a joke, man. Yeah, no, it was, I, I mean, I was worried that you might have actually thought that about Detroit and you were leading off with them as like your weird division winner. I'm glad that it was a joke. Got they it. Suck. Got it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, they're in the midst of a major rebuild and they're doing it the good old fashioned way, you know, building from the inside out and biting some kneecaps along the way. Oh, what a, oh. Uh, d- yeah, Dan Campbell. Interesting approach, this fella, old school. Uh, but that is how they're rebuilding. And I don't even hate the approach of focusing on the trenches with their rebuild. Uh, Levi Awuzarike out of Washington, defensive tackle. Um, Panay Sewell, they got a whole bunch of big boys in there. Um, so they're really trying to bolster their offensive and defensive lines. Obviously, yeah. they took Jeff Okuda last year in the draft. Um, and they, of course, lost their perennially perennially underrated starting quarterback from the last 12 years, Matt Stafford, and replaced him with uh, Bucks banter fan favorite um, Jeff Jared Goff. That is also sarcasm because we've lost money trusting that Sean McVay could overcome Jared Goff's deficiencies, and time and time again he fails. So it, anyway. they'd be better off with Jeff Goff, whoever that is, than Jared Goff. I mean, yeah, congrats. They they they've improved their line play. That's awesome. They still have a small-handed quarterback that can't do anything and uh, a coach that's an absolute lunatic talking about chopping off kneecaps and, you know, like wearing a helmet to sleep. Like, they're not going to be any good. I think the Lions have either won one or zero playoff games in their in their franchise's history. Like, they're terrible. It's crazy, I mean, eh? This isn't a – this isn't making any news. They're going to suck again. And it's not even like they're in like this murderer's row division or anything like that. Who's worried about the Bears and the Vikings this year? I don't think many people. Obviously, the Packers have their own issues, which we kind of spoke to, but we'll you know we'll we'll dive deeper in a little bit here. But uh, like, I don't like golf at all. I don't know, but like, I think you're with me there. Like, you don't think there's anything redeeming about him, right? You think, Scott? Like, come on, man. Like, no, no. I mean, what? Like, you know, buddy. It was Super Bowl two years ago. I just didn't know if you had like no, the fair. tiniest bit of yeah. maybe he can turn it. Like, no, I don't. I'm with you. McVay in a running game, then what's he going to do here? Like, they're not any good. He's way worse than Stafford. I think the coach is going to be a complete buffoon. Well, like, 
he better have a good staff around him. And like you, you that guy's going to be tasked with like properly calling timeouts and like managing a clock. Like, are you kidding me? I'm sorry. And you know, maybe judging a book by its cover. I can't wait for this guy to suck. I can't wait for him to do something insane in week three, like punt on third down or something <laughs> like that. Cause you know, it's going to happen. Like I'm, I'm not kidding. Colin uh, watching the lions train wreck is one of my, like one of the things I'm most excited for, for the entire season between him and Goff, Can you, th- there's no way there's going to be a worse coach and quarterback combination in the league. And it's for one of the biggest jokes in the entire NFL's history. Like, they oh my they're gonna be so bad they're so bad i think if it was possible for you to uh, detach your microphone i would be adamant that you just drop it because Uh-oh. that was great that was a great scotch bonnet bit right there man uh, God, so bad and like yeah i can't really like dispute you on any of that i mean i'm gonna give dan campbell a chance but like you're right judging a book by a cover i'm gonna go out on a limb and say he didn't go to brown or yale or harvard oh. um talking about biting kneecaps in his opening presser he's a former player and uh yeah it's interesting right their owner too was like in their war room and they were like justifying their draft so i watched this i watched this behind the scenes um draft with brad holmes their new gm and just kind of like you know their war room and everything going on um behind the scenes and she was right there and they were like justifying everything to her in real time when they're about to make picks and they're talking about trades the um the the Ford, I don't know her first name. She's like the heir to the previous ownership, the, the daughter. Yeah. Um, but I just found that in itself to be weird. Like, you know what I mean? You're trusted in this position. Why are you like at the end? Tell her, sure, at the end of the night, tell her who you picked and why you picked them, but do your job. Like, yeah. you don't have to justify each pick. But so sorry, quick sidebar here. I would love like some sort of excuse me, some sort of ex explainer on the hierarchy of of front offices in the NFL. Because do you notice it's like Jerry Jones is the real GM of the Cowboys. He, he's the owner. John Gruden makes all the decisions in with the Raiders. He's the coach. Belichick, the, you know, like what actually happens? Like why, are, why do we even have these titles? It seems like it's completely random in the NFL and it's just um, the decision-making is on one person or it ultimately comes down to one person and what their actual role is can be different on – like from team to team. Anyway, it's just something. It, it's just not a clear hierarchy. I've always found that very interesting. I'm, it's a, it's at least not tied directly to the job title. I could agree with that. Yeah, um, for sure. It's kind of like the Toronto Raptors in the NBA with Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster in a way. Um, but you're right. That is definitely. It's like, it, yeah, there's no consistency throughout the league in terms of decision makers and what their titles are and who's yeah, really making the calls. A vice president of football operations and a general manager and then the, and like a player person. Like, I don't know. It just seems like the overlap too many cooks in the kitchen and like that, like how you just described Detroit is a perfect example. And the difference between the NFL, though, and the NBA, I mentioned the Raptors, the, the is the fact that in the NFL ownership, the lines are blurred in terms of decision-making. Whereas I think I want my team to have ownership, step back, hire the decision-makers and trust them to make the decisions. And the Glazers have done a good job of that in Tampa Bay, it seems to me, like from my vantage point. So, um, yeah, I I, I think after that epic rant, we're going to have to snip that one and blast it out there, Scott, because that sounded weird. But because uh, that was a great little rant you had. Well, Um, yeah. All right. So we're we're not high on Detroit. I think we can confidently move on. Yeah. Before we do though, I a new I, I want us to pick our 
all-time favorite players, or it doesn't have to be like the best player, but just a player who is synonymous with that franchise when we cover these teams. So you can go first for the Lions. Who's your guy? Probably not okay. much of a shocker well, with these ones. Hilarious, hilarious because there's two obvious picks for this franchise, and these two players are two of the more famous guys to ever just be like, yeah, nah, I'm done. Don't really want to play anymore because I don't want to play here. And so I'm going with Barry Sanders because he's the first guy that truly like just wowed me. I remember watching him as a kid and it was like, oh, that guy is absolutely unbelievable. My favorite running back of all time, actually, I would say it's not really that close. He, he was just so special and uh, the the true only light in a very dark franchise's history. And he was just, um, he was unbelievable. And, it, and if you go back and watch like YouTube clips of him, he's still like, it, it absolutely holds up. He's amazing. Although Colin, you're, I mean, this guy was one B for me, the guy you're about to say. So. But for Barry Sanders, the one thing I want to say about him, that's such a defining feature to me as a pro athlete, like talking all professional sports is he's one of those rare athletes who is a 10 out of 10 in terms of his productivity, his numbers, what he did for his team. And he's a 10 out of 10 in terms of excitement. Oh yeah, but I know. You know how often like the most exciting players are a little erratic and they're not as productive yeah. or efficient, you yeah. know, but then there's guys like Barry Sanders, who is just hands down the most productive running back in the league during his entire career. And he also happens to be the most electrifying player in the sport. Um, so the whole time he was in the league. So yeah. Yeah. And like, the, I, feel the same, I feel the same way about my choice, Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Um, right. Calvin to me, like if that guy ended up in a different team, my God, like how would we be talking about him? He might still be playing and who knows what kind of numbers he would have put up playing with Tom Brady and new, like new England or oh. something. It's not even the quarterback. It's just the franchise around him. Like, right, right. But I'm just I know saying, what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I would say the Patriots have a pretty good franchise. Yeah, I know. But you're not saying like you had he had to get away from Stafford. He didn't have a no. quarterback. But yeah, a stable franchise. A yeah, stable franchise. There's. I'm a, with you. I'm with you. Pretty much, you know, any of 29 other teams. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, he, hey, what else can you say? He's honestly, it's funny because it just railed on the Lions, but. Megatron, absolutely one of my favorite receivers of all time. How exciting was he? Just throw the ball up to him. Tough as nails. Just awesome. Just just an amazing player. Yeah, he's my number one receiver of all time to watch for sure, personally. There you go. That's pretty I, high praise. I mean, Mike Evans is getting there just because, but like I'm eliminating <laughs> my Buccaneers bias, like yeah. objectively. Fair. Okay, okay. Chicago Bears, uh, yeah. unsurprisingly, coming off a 500 season, 8-8. Eight and eight. Um <laughs> I mean, like, again, was, another team I'm not, like, super pumped to talk about just because, like, they are what they are. I mean. Unsurprisingly, 8-8 eight and eight was the name of their uh, year in review DVD, actually. I thought that was pretty clever by their uh, by their PR team. Um, I, wonder what that, I wonder what that's selling for, that DVD. Yeah, not much. Yeah. Not much, I would say. Yeah, sorry, Carl. So 8-8, so eight and eight, they lost in the first round. They got that extra wild card spot, um, you know, with the seventh team now in each conference so they lost new orleans in the first round and yeah started off five and one completely fraudulent no one believed in them and they proceeded to i believe lose six games in a row and you know regress to the mean which was 100 percent predictable um brutal uh you know trubisky's gone so that's positive i i do think dalton is um is an improvement over trubisky if they don't feel like fields is ready 
super interested to see how they handle the whole field situation. You know, is it going to be they're struggling and all right, it we're one and three. What what do we have to lose? Because they think they have a shot at the division, or is it going to be they're doing all right? Like they start off relatively decent, but Fields is just too good in practice that they can't keep him off the field. Or maybe none of that happens and Dalton is just solid. Where where what do you think goes on there? I think that Matt Nagy, like I think they're legit and that they're gonna give Dalton the reins to start. Sounds yeah. like those two have a good relationship. I mean, Dalton's getting a decent chunk of change. And just in terms of how special so anyone who who's read my work or been over to Bucksbanter.ca. I wrote an article saying that Justin Fields, this is prior to the draft, is my QB1. Like, I think he's so special, and I think he's going to – I think it was a great draft pick by Chicago going up to get him. Um, but I and, – and I've kind of flip-flopped. Like, I, I thought initially you have to start him. But, like, that team – like, they're they're an 8-8 eight and eight team-ish. Like, they're still the same. They again, again. So so don't spoil Fields if he's not quite ready. Like, I'm fine to use Dalton to – because your most important – indicator or uh, path to being successful is through Justin Fields having the reins and it's better to do it when he is prepared to do so and not spoil his development because that's ultimately going to be the development of your franchise and the current the current regime in charge you know Nagy the GM everyone so um, you know they have a solid defense they lost Fuller who joined uh, Denver their cornerback Uh, they also finally gave up on Anthony Miller who was like kind of like a fantasy darling sleeper had a lot of talent I've dropped him every year. Yeah, me too. I grab him off waivers every year. Yeah. Pick him up, drop him. Is it going to be the time? Yeah. No, yeah. never. No, never Miller time. Never. Unless it's, <laughs> it's Scotty okay, Miller. Right? Yeah, unless it's Scotty. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked I liked him too. He was unreal at Memphis. I thought he was going to be a real slot receiver weapon. Kind of if he gets matched up on a linebacker, he's, he's going to win every time. But I don't know. You know, maybe he wasn't in a great situation with the Bears offense either. I mean, to be fair, he had Trubisky throwing the ball, but he's gone now. So, uh, yeah, regardless. I think, I think he got scooped up by Houston or something, but I'm not sure. So I shouldn't even God. say that. That's um, an even better spot. And they also acquired Scott Capron's favorite tight end of all time, Jake Butt, former Michigan Wolverine. So, who knows? Can't stay healthy. He's a tough ACL lock. He's a really good – like, he could have been good. I think he was so good at, at Michigan. Uh the Broncos drafted him and eventually he got hurt again. So I don't know. Let's, I mean, you know, personally I'd like to see him do something, but I don't, don't see much happening for him. But so what, you know, but bears playoff team just outside, I think they go eight and nine, something like that. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree. I, and I'm sorry to everyone listening. We probably sound super apathetic about these teams in this division, but like, I don't know the lions, the bears, the Vikings, mash them all together and you can get your and you can get the same boring you know predictable results 17 14 game and they'll all split it and then green bay will just win the division right like i I hate to say it but i feel like we've seen this movie before yeah kirk cousins will give you a couple weeks where you're like oh yeah and then he'll just be the worst quarterback in nfl history for two weeks and then we, we may as well just get into Minnesota because that's my exact take on Cousins. I swear to – like, I feel like he gets killed. And I – I maybe it's just the times I watch him. He always plays great when I watch him. Or I've always bet against the Vikings when, every time I watch an entire game. And it's like, oh, look, at play action's working because Cook is killing everyone. So then they – and now they have this deep shot op- 
um, option with with Jefferson and Thielen. And, and you know, before last year, they had Diggs, obviously. And every time I turned it on, I said, oh wow, Cousins looks like a freaking John Elway, Tom Brady hybrid. But then you know, you see the highlights of his bad games, and he can't he can't complete a pass. He can't do anything. He can't see the defense. I feel like handing the ball off is even a stretch for him at, at some point. So his bad is so bad and his good is pretty good, but that's ultimately led to basically zero success for them. Right. Yeah. We had like a hot, hot seat segment regarding head coaches and Mike Zimmer is one of the guys up there for me. I mean, he's obviously a good defensive coach, but when you break down their, their record under his watch, I mean, you know, his first year, seven and nine, then 11 and five, then eight and eight, then 13 and three, then eight and seven, then 10 and six. So they just swap back from like having a good, just like Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Having a good year or a good game per se in Cousins case to, uh, to terrible. Like there's just no consistency there. They've had good players. They've had really impressive defense over the last five years at certain points, but just injuries or certain things that, that horrible yeah. kick, kicking situation. Um, oh, in the my playoffs. I'll never forget that. And, like, you know, they should have lost that Saints playoff game a couple years ago, the Miracle in Minnesota. Like, I don't know. They're 7 and 9 last year. I, I see a slight improvement. I don't, I like, they were 7 and 9, but I don't remember, I don't remember thinking they were terrible or anything. I, like, I, I think they could definitely contend for a wild card spot, but anything more than that, I don't, I don't think they have any real aspirations. And, you know, they're going to keep starting Kirk Cousins, and not that he's that old, but I think Mike Zimmer is proving that age is just a number in in his belief in some of his guys, and also the fact that his girlfriend's twenty six years younger than him. So you know, it's a real uh, proof is you, in the pudding. Practice real, what you preach. Real youth movement over yeah, in uh, Minnesota. It, yeah, like he's not uh, he's not discriminatory in any way when it comes to that. So good for you, Mike Zimmer. Uh, you know, keep doing you. You know, you got and the thirty-eight her, and, her, and her. Yeah, well, you got the thirty-eight-year-old girlfriend. Um, I know you think it's a rule that you can't go for it on fourth down, um, but they have updated that uh, since since the Great War. Uh, so I don't know if you just wanted to to consult that book at any time, that'd be great. And um, yeah, that I don't know, man. Vikings ten and seven. I mean, we'll we'll do, we'll do the over unders after we finish the Packers, but. Uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Oh, that was good, Scott. Oh. You're, you're dialed today, buddy. <laughs> you're making me laugh. Oh, only I could find it on the golf course. Yeah, I think they'll they'll win a couple more than they lose. Like I think they're a yeah. step above. Uh, you know, they're a step above the Bears and a bunch of steps above the Lions. I think talking about the, the franchise's last whatever close to ten years under Zimmer. I think they're always a little worse than their best and they're always a little better than their worst. Yeah. I, I the, perpetually mediocre. And yeah. yes, they fall either they had bad luck and they're seven and nine or they're they have a little bit better luck and they've gone nine and seven or something. And yeah. So exactly. And um you know I let I let my my co host choose his favorite all time player first. So I mean let's uh Save the drum roll and just tell us who is your favorite all-time Minnesota Viking, Scott. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Randy Moss. Uh, kind of a no-brainer for me. Just from a sheer, I mean, kind of what you were speaking to um, Barry Sanders about the excitement plus the productivity. He had it all, and just must watch. And you know, part of the credit obviously goes to being on such a good offense with 
with Chris Carter and Dante Culpepper for those first, um, you know, first couple years of his career there. But uh, what what can you say? He's he was just amazing, just absolutely unbelievable to watch. Like just different. And I know that that's a bit of a cliche, and maybe it gets overused a bit. But he's he's a different guy, man. And and, and it showed every week. He was ah, oh, I he was amazing. Yeah. Randy, Randy's gonna Randy, man. Anyone, feel free. Anyone in the comments or comments have gone quiet. Maybe, maybe uh, some of these people we've got we've got new listeners who uh, decided to join us after an hour and twenty five minutes, um, and some who maybe had to go eat dinner or live their lives, and that's okay. Yeah, you can respect that. I'm gonna go with Adrian Peterson. Um, again, I've been kind of the de facto running back guy here at Bucks Banter. Oh. I've I've noticed it's kind of just kind of happened. Um, AP man, don't forget just because he's still around doesn't mean, um, you know, he's wa- like, yeah, okay, whatever. That doesn't matter. Don't let don't let that over outshine how incredible he was. Hey, Dude almost rushed for three hundred yards against the the Bears in he's like one of the best game. running backs of all time. Like, yeah, that's not debatable. It's not. Yeah, go check out his highlights at Oklahoma, um, awesome. or 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 in the NFL for the Vikings. I mean, in what is a normal career for an NFL player, his let's say his first eight seasons which would be a long career for most nfl running backs he was just incredible 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 ap man I, I, yeah yeah and this we're not talking about his parenting or no, his uh, right. you know his uses of a switch because apparently you know it's 1946 but um yeah i i mean you can't argue with ap he's unbelievable yeah yeah i mean the fact he's still in the league by the way deserves yeah, it, a little golf clap when you say i I remember uh, reading a Sports Illustrated article because him and a uh, him and a quarterback. The quarterback's name was Rhett Bomar. They were the top running back and top quarterback from Texas in high school, and they both went to Oklahoma. And I remember before the season, this was before I got like the Phil Steele college preview and all that. And it was like, oh, you know, this guy Adrian Peterson's going to be amazing. And then he rushed for like nineteen hundred yards or something like that. I felt so like I was in on it almost just because i read sports illustrated but it would still felt like such a win at the time yeah he he delivered on the hype being like that talented yeah, of a recruit unbelievable um what was i gonna say there was something um anyway we got a few record predictions there i saw in the comments. yeah yeah pull that back up uh your boy me cedar packers 12 and 5 vikings 9 and 8 bears 9 and 8 i think the bears i'm, I'm i don't think I'd see them winning it. more i'd flip it too uh, yeah. but, I mean, pretty, pretty good. Pretty close. Yeah. yeah. Hard to I, argue. That's a good, good group of predictions I mean, there. And I mean, yeah, Carl, not to take over. We can just jump into the Packers here. So we, we now with the Rogers thing, I think even with the turmoil, they're still the cream of the crop in this division. Uh, it goes through them. Um, you know, they were 13 and three last year, which honestly, I, I mean, obviously I knew they hosted the NFC championship game, but I don't think I remember that the record was that good. Cause you know, that's fantastic in any NFL season. Right. So um, they're the favorites. They have the best quarterback in the division. Uh, they have the best offense in the division, best home field. If we get back to uh relatively normal here, um, unless you're playing Tom Brady in the playoffs. Yes. Yes. But uh, among these, among these, uh, these four teams, I, yeah, I mean Devonte Adams, as good as it gets. Where where do you have him? Uh, Devonte Adams in terms of individual receivers. Yeah, like, like uh, is he one for you? He's top three. Top um, three yeah, 
Geez, that's a good question on the spot, Scotty. I, All right. Yeah, yeah. I'll, you know, you know what I'll tell you though. I have him higher on my personal list than DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Um. So I'm asking because I think I'm surprised at how high he is on mine. Yeah, like I think I think he's probably potentially number one i'm not going to write that i I need to see all the names and kind of think of it but heading into this year Devontae adams has no holes he wins at the line he wins downfield he can catch over the middle he's got some of the quickest feet in the league and a great Um, and great chemistry with rogers great chemistry with rogers and i also feel like you you know you can't hold it against him that he's playing with aaron Rodgers because i think aaron Rodgers could make a few like if if him and mike evans switch spots i think mike evans is that guy too yeah 100 percent. and yeah not to take anything away from adams but of course it helps to play with Rodgers. Um, yeah. You know, defense, nothing to write home about with, with Green Bay, um, but not terrible. I, like, I think they're going to be fine on that side of the ball. It, it's about their offense as to how far they're actually going to take this thing this year, I believe. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, the defense is, is solid. Um, yeah. Not Like you said, it's nothing crazy. Um, but, like, Jair Alexander is, like, deservedly receiving praise as potentially like a top three corner um, in the NFL. Now he's really entering his own. And I really liked, liked Alexander coming out. So I didn't expect him to be that great. Um, They drafted Eric Stokes, another corner out of Georgia. They got to replace Kevin King. Who's the guy who got absolutely slaughtered on the field before our eyes by Scotty Miller. Um, Oh my goodness. Like we asked Evan, that is my, if I had to pick one moment throughout the whole postseason, that Scotty Miller play, um, at the end of the half in that NFC championship game is something I'll, I'll take with me to my deathbed. Um, yeah. I, my, like I was telling you, my Packer buddy earlier, Jesse, he, I think he's still like, I don't know if he's like prank calling Kevin King's family, but he hasn't forgotten. It still comes up every now and again. And it's like such a sore spot. Like I think he would have, he would have driven to Green Bay just to drive him to the airport, honestly. So yeah, and they extended Kevin King or, or re-signed oh. him to a one-year deal or something, which was hilarious for yeah. Bucks fans to see. But you know, you need depth at the position, and obviously, yeah. I'm not watching him all year long. So, um, but I know he had some struggles, and that's why they've drafted Eric Stokes with their first overall selection. Yeah, curious to see how Matt Lafleur does. I mean, obviously, he's well respected for his play calling, and it takes a couple of years to settle in with a quarterback, even of the caliber of Aaron Rodgers. I mean. 13 and three last season, they were obviously dynamic and dominant on offense. They do a lot of tricky, um, deceptive pre-snap motion and things like that, that I kind of wish Byron Leftwich and the Buccaneers did more of disguising their, their personnel and, and uh, creating mismatches all over the field, which is another way that um, Devonte Adams is able to create favorable matchups for himself and thus for the Green Bay Packers. Um, yeah, they're going to be really good. I think, despite all of the uncertainty regarding the team chemistry and, and all the, the Aaron Rodgers situation, I mean, they could walk out there and make their way to the playoffs. So uh, it really will depend on how things go come the winter months when uh, it's, it's winter go home. Um, yeah. You know, I don't like, I don't have a ton to add on this division. I think like that's an, a nice little Cole's notes of each of those teams. It's pretty yeah. forward. I, I don't this know, Scott. Is- more of a quick hitter, which is fine. Um, I think we hit on all the main points for the four teams. Um, let's just quickly take a look at the win totals. Uh, so Green Bay is off the board, but you know, I'm assuming they'd be probably 11 and a half 
when they actually hang this number once they figure out the the Packers situation or uh, the Rogers situation if he's playing. So, all right. I mean, if they have Rogers, I'd probably take the over twelve and five. Like, I wouldn't I would. love it, but that's what I would lean. And I'm also just guessing at the line. If it's ten and a half, then I would then I would love the over at eleven and six. Well, yeah, uh, nothing wrong with guessing the lines. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, like there, there's a lot of not great teams in the NFC, which you mentioned off yeah. the top of the show. So yeah. it's hard to see a lot of the, these teams out out dueling Aaron yeah. Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, then we have Detroit. Um, so it's the over under is five and a half, but the over they're begging you to take the over at plus one fifty. So like, I don't sorry, know. what is it? What is the number? Five and a half, but the over is plus one fifty. So like I said, they're begging you to try to tempt you to take that over. Like, no, thank you. I I it would be I would actually like eat that juice and and take the minus one eighty on the under. Like I'm not going to do it, but that's where I would lean. Um. Uh, Bears seven and a half. I think that's fair. I mean, uh, and it's minus one fifteen either way. I mean, uh, I'm not. I wouldn't talk anyone into or out of uh, a big bet on there. That's that's totally feel for yourself. I I would. Eh, you know what? No, I don't have a lean. I guess I would take the over, but I wouldn't ever put anything on it. Like I'm I'm totally indifferent. That's a perfect number to me. Seven and a half for the Bears. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then the Vikings are eight and a half, um, minus one sixty on the over. So I would, uh, although plus one thirty on the under is pretty enticing. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, like like I said, I, I just don't have a major lean with these teams. Like nothing that's really sticking out to me. Yeah, I'm glad that we ha- had Evan on and lots of good Buck stuff to talk about because I feel like this is a, a not the most exciting division to discuss especially when we hit aaron Rodgers off the top but you know at least in terms of the results i mean there's great players everywhere and these teams will be involved in some good matchups and there'll be great players to watch on the field so yeah there's good rivalries in this division you know if it isn't the most exciting they're usually meaningful games or even when a team's out of it like you know you get a thanksgiving game with detroit that's always kind of funky and yeah i mean we'll see a bunch of the packers on prime time obviously but um yeah so Anyway, call. So, d- did you agree with me, Cedor, on the on the how the division's going to shake shake out? I would have, yeah, Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, and then Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit. I feel like that's ironclad. Like, in st- yeah. etch it in stone. Now that's what's going to happen, um, unless something catastrophic happened with Aaron Rodgers or you yeah. know an injury, and the Vikings then would supplant the Packers if Aaron Rodgers went down I think but um yeah. and and you know maybe Justin Fields ends up playing earlier than expected I hope he does. yeah it would be great to watch him but I'm just such a like I'm so tied to his success based on like I put my own name behind his yeah. to such an extent that yeah uh, I want what's best for him because I think he's got a bright bright future in the league hopefully for the Chicago Bears fans and and organization that's in Chicago so let's Matt Nagy and, and team, let's put them in a position to be successful. Let's not rush it. Um, it's funny. I've kind of flip-flopped from, from draft night because I was so hyped up then. But that is how I feel because the rest of the roster on the offensive side of the ball especially is not good enough. Quite. Not bad enough. Not good enough. Just right in the middle. But who knows? It's the NFL. Things You're change. Right. And even Andy Dalton, I think, is going to be potentially an upgrade over how Nick Foles looked there and definitely over Mitchell Trubisky. Um, Couldn't agree more. 
yeah, I don't think there's much more to talk about. We've been live on the air for one minute and 34 seconds. Uh, really, I think, I think it's an hour 34. What did I say? A minute 34. I think a minute yeah. 34. I think that's as good a time as any. And I, I, yeah, I'd say that's a good indication. It's time for us to uh, respectfully uh, fade into the back background. So thank you, everyone, whether you joined us on YouTube. I saw we had a couple of viewers on Twitch, even Facebook, Twitter, whatever it may be. Uh, really appreciate it. We got tons of great comments um, throughout the show. I wish we could have got to all of it. Um, and we'll try and do a better job of that next time. You see here um, on the screen, BucksBanter.ca, um, BucksBanter on Twitter. Scotty, what's your Twitter handle? Do you want to uh, – maybe we should write it up there for him next time. Yeah, it's uh, at Captain Ron with uh, underscores after Cap and 10. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you to Evan again for joining. That was such – that was so awesome to have his insight. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll tweet out his, uh, his article that he wrote today. More division previews coming down the pipeline. Uh, they're going to get juicy as we work through the, the remaining three divisions in the uh, NFC. And we will be back next Monday at 7 p.m. Um, and uh, me and Scotty Miller's younger brother, Scotty Capron, will be here to hold the fort down in Bodan Yard's absence. Thank you. Good night. Be well. Go Bucks. Peace.